0: We start today with B.C. mayors pleading for help with crime in their communities. The mayors of B.C.'s 13 largest cities now asking Attorney General David Eby to deal with an ineffective justice system that is failing to deal with urban crime, especially with repeat chronic offenders. This issue dominated question period at the BC legislature yesterday. And there were some shocking stories in there about repeat prolific offenders committing crimes, being arrested and then released only to commit more crimes, rinse and repeat the cycle of simply continues. Have a listen to this here now. This is the interim liberal leader Shirley Bond speaking in the legislature yesterday.
1: In Prince George, one individual has generated 262 police files in just the past 12 months. None of the files, not one, has resulted in a charge.
0: Okay. The liberal leader speaking yesterday, 262 police files generated by one person in Prince George in a year. No charges in that case. People are picked up. They're released by the police. They reoffend. Let's discuss it now with my guest, Todd Stone, liberal MLA, Kamloops South Thompson. And I'm pleased to welcome him back to the show. Todd, thank you for coming on today. Always good to be on with you, Mike. Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot. So when we hear some of these stories, we'll play a couple more here in a moment about these type of chronic, prolific offenders who just keep getting picked up by the cops and then released just to commit more crimes. I mean, this just sounds ridiculous. Your thoughts on it? Well, it is ridiculous, but more importantly, it's uh, it's creating a tremendous
1: amount of uh, strife in, in communities all over the province. Uh, people just don't feel safe uh, walking down the street in broad daylight. Uh, the, the number of, of assaults uh, uh, that are taking place and thefts and vandalism and, and so forth uh, has, has uh, skyrocketed over recent years and uh you know the government's got to uh, got to to make some changes provincially there, there are some actions that we were calling on the attorney general to to, to undertake uh, certainly uh amplifying the 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 solutions that are being offered by the bc urban mayors caucus this letter that we uh, we released yesterday uh was dated april 5th uh the 13 uh, urban mayors in bc and uh it's pretty darn scathing uh, you know uh, uh, 204 prolific offenders uh, over the last year across those 13 urban cities are responsible for 11,648 negative police contacts. Uh, And and, uh, it's these prolific offenders which are, are, are causing... Uh, the vast majority of uh, of these safety issues, uh, the safety challenges that are that are happening uh, in in communities of uh, uh, pretty much in every corner of the province.
0: Okay, yeah. When you hear some of these numbers, they're almost unbelievable. But you know, let's listen to another story here. So this is uh, Bruce Banman, Liberal MP from Abbotsford. Have a listen to this one. There was a criminal with outstanding warrants was recently arrested for the second time within weeks. He has been charged with serious crimes theft of a motor vehicle, robbery, assault, resist and obstruction of a police officer. Despite three prior convictions, he was issued a release order which he breached the very same day you know sometimes when we hear these stories you will have people say well we're talking about property crime these are people who are chronic shoplifters who are feeding a drug habit but as you heard in that story there sometimes we're talking about more serious crimes but your thoughts
1: well, we are, and I'll, I'll give you another example. So, in, in Kamlips, uh there's there's uh, w- one offender. He was arrested for robbery. Uh, he was released uh, while the prosecution service reviewed the charge assessments. Uh, the the day that that charges were actually approved for that original robbery, the offender was actually involved in a in a major police incident. Was uh, suspected in a homicide and and was consequently arrested 48 hours later. Um, as per the, the, the prosecution services policy, uh, the prosecution would not approve the charges without what's called a, a full disclosure package, and that took several months to complete. Now, in those ensuing several months, uh, this offender had a further uh, police contacts, including uh, one particular police file where, where he brandished uh, an axe at a homeless shelter. Um, uh, eventually uh, you know he was arrested and and uh, charges were pursued I, I mean this is this is what's happening at uh, this catch and release uh, as you yeah. as you started off the segment in, in communities around the province the system's broken so yeah. uh, you know the the, the mayors are, uh, you know have basically thrown their hands up in there and said enough is enough uh, we want to work and collaborate with the province uh, by all means but But when are we actually going to see the province take some steps, uh, some practical steps, uh, and and utilize some tools that the Attorney General in particular has to actually um, uh, address this this rapidly deteriorating uh, situation?
0: Speaking of Liberal MLA, Todd Stone, let me play a clip here of the Attorney General, David Eby, who spoke about this issue earlier today with Simi Sarah. And here he is making the case that, look, the people we're talking about here, they're sick, they're mentally ill, they're addicted to drugs. Have a listen.
1: Obviously, mental health and addiction are major factors um, uh, that that are driving people to commit these property crimes. And it's just incredibly frustrating for the mayors and for residents to see this highly visible disorder and uh, and chaos in some communities
0: okay so we get it we understand that people are on the streets they're home homeless in many cases mentally ill they're addicted to drugs uh, your response your thoughts on that well I'll be absolutely clear Mike
1: about this piece uh, just as the mayor said in their letter uh, we are a hundred percent aligned uh, with the province in 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 the statements that uh, the attorney general has made and the minister of mental health and addiction have made with respect to ensuring that, uh, that folks who have mental health and, and or uh, addiction uh, issues, that they receive the supports that they need. And so the, 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 the recent announcements of complex care, uh, you know, is, is uh, you know, we think uh, the kind of, of investments that the province needs to be making. The challenge on that front is, uh, you know, when are these investments actually going to take hold? What does complex care actually mean? And when, you're, when are communities actually going to see it? Um, uh, in in uh, in place to uh, to 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 ensure that those what do you, supports are there for folks.
0: What do you do though if you have someone who has been offered help, they've been offered shelter, they've been offered treatment for drug addiction or mental illness, yet they continue to reoffend? I mean, these are the the cases that we're hearing described vividly in the legislature yesterday. What do you do with those people? Because You know, one of the things that E.B. said yesterday was, well, the judges are independent. The judges are the people who decide who goes to jail. We don't tell the judges what to do. They're independent. And quite often they, and usually they're applying federal law. So it's like federal jurisdiction and nothing to do with the province. What do you say to that?
1: Well, uh, look, uh, it, David Eby is the master of deflection, and he does it on, on all kinds of files that he's responsible for. That's the way he does business. Well, how is that uh, deflection?
0: He, Isn't that simply well, the case that judges are independent know, and it is federal law? Oh, I, I, I'm,
1: not, I'm not suggesting that judges aren't independent. I'm, just, I'm suggesting that every single time uh, David Eby's on the hot seat, it's somebody else's problem. Uh, he blames all of this uh, on the federal government when, in fact, uh, there is a heck of a lot that he could do. Uh, the, I'll give you some examples. The the BC Prosecution Service is massively under-resourced right now. They do not have the people in place uh, to ad- address the volume of, of files uh, that uh, charges that are forwarded to their office for review. That's number one. Number two, uh, they, uh, David Evie, uh, uh brought in new charge assessment guidelines uh, for the prosecution service a couple of years ago. Much, much uh, stricter uh, assessment guidelines that make it virtually uh, impossible for the prosecution service to, uh, to approve uh, charges uh, in a wide range of these types of, of cases. Uh, he, he could, he could uh, change those charge assessment guidelines today um, I mentioned in my, the Camloops example a moment ago this full disclosure policy requirement. That, that, that in and of itself has added months and months of delays in the prosecution service being able to approve charges, which again yeah. is, is, is resulting in these, these accused being back out on the streets reoffending. That is yeah. fully within uh, David Eby's control as well. He's choosing not to, uh, to undertake action in any of these areas. Uh, it's fine to point the finger at the federal government and say, yeah, there, there are some things that uh, that, that might need to, to be done with respect to the criminal code and, and so forth. And yes, they have to be responsive to Supreme Court of Canada decisions, of course. But in the in, in the interim, while you're while you're you're urging the federal government to take action, what the heck are you doing here in the province of British Columbia with the tools that you have at your disposal? ABAB is
0: doing nothing. Okay, Todd Stone, thanks for coming on today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. All right, welcome back. Let's keep talking about urban crime now. Let's take a look at what's going on in the city of Vancouver. Now, on yesterday's show, I spoke to Simon Fraser University criminology professor Martin Anderson. This guy is a fierce critic of the police in Vancouver. He says the VPD exaggerates the amount of crime in the city. Why? Why would they do that? Well, he says it's because they want more money. He says their budget should be cut. He says the Vancouver police are fear-mongering, making people afraid when they should not be afraid. Why would they do that? He says it's because crime is actually going down, not up. Here's one of the things he had to say to me yesterday. Have a listen. Well, I think what what
2: they're doing is they're exaggerating any change. Uh, The VPD has been very good over the past couple of years, in particular, a year and a half, on um, spreading a lot of information about violent crime without giving um, without giving much context.
0: Okay, criminology professor Martin Anderson speaking on yesterday's show. Let's get the other side of it now. My guest is Sergeant Steve Addison, spokesperson for the Vancouver Police Department. I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Steve, thank you for coming on once again today. Hey, no problem, Mike. Okay, uh, the professor on yesterday's show had a lot to say about the VPD. Let's start with his claim that the Vancouver police are exaggerating the amount of crime. What do you say to that?
3: Well,
4: I mean, quite simply, people have a, a right to know what's happening in their city. They have a right to have timely and accurate information about public safety. And um, with regards to any suggestion that the VPD is exaggerating crime, it's just not the case. And it's reflected in the data, which is um, uh, very open and very transparent. We're extremely transparent uh, about our crime statistics. They're all posted online, and they show um, you know, violent crime, when we look at um, pre-pandemic, compared to pre-pandemic levels, violent crimes up 12%, serious assaults are up, robberies are up 21%, arsons are up 33%, graffiti uh, 84%, including a 300% increase in, in, in Chinatown alone, uh, hate crimes up 52% since 2018. So the data is there, it's tra- transparent, it's accessible for anybody to see. Um, it is concerning when we do see people who uh, cherry-pick stats to support uh, a political agenda, um, and uh, I'm glad, Mike, that when you, when you had the professor on yesterday on your show, um, that you did challenge him a little bit, because by challenging him, you were able to uh, get him to admit that he does have an agenda, and that agenda is to defund the
2: police.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to play that that exchange here in a, in a moment, but let's get a little bit of context on some of the the statistics that you just quoted. So, you're saying with all those categories of crime that have increased uh, significantly, you're saying that's compared, that's right now compared to pre-pandemic. So, we're going back. What this is a, th- a two three year comparison you're talking here.
4: Yeah, so if you just look, um, if you just look at this, uh, take the first quarter of this year and you compare it to last year or the year before, you're likely not going to get an accurate um, uh, representation of what crime trends are simply because of COVID. There were COVID restrictions in place, there were fewer people out and about, people's behaviour had changed. So what you can do is, what and what we, we've done is, you'll look at, um, the say, just the first quarter of, of this year alone and compare it to the first quarter of um, pre-pandemic, so a three-year Uh, pre-pandemic average and that shows violent crimes up serious crimes are up robberies are up assaults against police officers are up Um, and it's it's a it's a concern and it it, that's reflected not only in the data but it's also reflected in what people are telling us it's reflected in what people are telling you when they come on your show what people are telling our officers when they're on the beat um, when we're hosting safety forums when we're meeting people on the street it's a very real concern in the city and uh, to dismiss that, to dismiss those very
0: real concerns that people have, um, is a bit disingenuous. Okay, speaking to Sergeant Steve Addison from the Vancouver Police Department. Let me play another clip here for you, Steve, of Martin Anderson, criminology professor at Simon Fraser University. Here he is once again on yesterday's show, and he says the police are fear-mongering that people should not be afraid because crime is actually going down not going up here's what he says crime has been falling across across
2: in in Vancouver for the past 25 years most of that crime is property crime
0: what what do you say to that crime has been falling steadily for 25 years
4: well it's I mean it, it's it's the, the data that we're presenting, is not that's not re, uh, representative in the data. It's just, uh, the data that we're presenting, uh, the data that's accessible for everybody to see, and I welcome people to go online, vpt.ca, check it out for yourself. It shows that serious crimes are up, uh, property crimes are up, m- uh, mischiefs are up, graffitis are up, and hate crimes are up. Um, when you compare this year, compared to pre-pandemic years, and just general crime trends. So um, it's wrong, it's not accurate. And, and well, while some well, people might suggest that, uh, that when we're open and transparent and we tell people about what's happening in their city, they might suggest that's fear mongering. Um, but I'd also suggest that ignorance is bliss. And people have a right to know what's happening in their city so that they can make informed decisions about how to live their lives, uh, how to go about their lives, how to protect themselves. We're very open, we're very transparent, because people deserve to know. Uh, uh, what the issues are in the city, and what the police department is doing to keep people safe and apprehend offenders.
0: Are the statistics, do they vary by neighborhood? Like, we've talked a lot on this show about some of the more troubled neighborhoods, whether you mentioned Chinatown, we've talked about Gastown, Strathcona, uh, downtown Eastside, of course, uh, the West End, Davie Street just seems to be a lot of mayhem on there. We've had lots of business owners from Davie Street on the show saying that it's the worst they've seen in 30 years. Like, when you, when you drill down on the stats in some of those neighborhoods, is, are, is crime up in those neighborhoods and maybe down in other parts of the city?
4: Well, the, yeah, of, of course. Each neighborhood has its own specific neighborhood issues. So if you look at Chinatown, um, uh, mischief, uh, graffiti, is through the roof in Chinatown, it's a huge concern. We talked to business owners uh, in the West End um, and in, the, in downtown that are dealing with uh, constantly having windows smashed out and commercial break-and-enters. Um, we saw a spike in sex assaults that were happening in the entertainment districts after COVID restrictions lifted. So, yeah, um, issues and crime trends vary from neighbourhood to neighbourhood, and we have to be responsive to those.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's talk about defund the police, and you touched on this earlier, and we've had, there is a movement in this city to cut the budget of the Vancouver Police Department, spend money instead on social services. Like, a lot of people will say, look, this is being driven by drug addiction and homelessness and mental illness. That's where we should be spending our money defund the police spend the money on those services instead so let me play another clip here for you from sfu professor martin anderson on yesterday's show on this point get your thoughts have a listen we
2: need to do what we can to prevent these things and more police isn't what's going to end up uh, having an
0: impact here you believe so do you think therefore that the vancouver police department should have its budget cut yes 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 so yeah he said quite clearly cut the budget of the vancouver police department what kind of impact would that have, Steve Addison, if the budget was cut? Well,
4: let's just first of all let's be clear that uh, the budget is set uh, by uh, by city hall, and this year uh, we do have, we are fully funded. And when we have discussion about uh, defunding the police or providing more supports for people with a complex social needs, whether it be mental health or substance abuse, we certainly agree. We'll be the first ones to agree that there are more supports required for people who are living with uh, addictions, untreated mental health issues, uh, poverty, homelessness. But it's not an either-or proposition, Mike. Uh, We need more supports for those people, but it's not at the expense of the police department and it's not at the expense of public safety right now a lot of the issues that we're seeing i saw the attorney general speaking yesterday about about this in the legislature a lot of the issues that we are seeing are being driven the public safety issues by people with complex needs whether it be um, serious mental health issues uh, addictions issues uh, poverty and those are, are are consistently bringing those people into contact Um, with the criminal justice system, with the police. So certainly more supports are needed for them, Yeah, but not at the cost of the police, not at the cost of public safety.
0: Speaking to Sergeant Steve Addison from the Vancouver Police Department, I have spoken to many police officers in the last couple of years who've made the point that they'll make a similar point that you just did. Like, of course, we're not opposed to more spending on mental health services or or addiction services. We want that. But the point is... Yeah, but the point is, though that a lot of the calls that police get for overdoses or people who are mentally ill on the street involves violence or threats of violence and threats to public safety. So it's not like you can say to a social worker or a public health nurse, you go deal with this, you will need a police officer there. Do you not? Absolutely. Um,
4: yeah. As the police, were the first responders, but we 're also the last resort when people are in crisis um, when people are when people have been let down consistently uh, through the through the system um, and it 's three o 'clock in the morning and somebody 's in psychosis and acting out and behaving violently we 're the ones that get called we 're the ones that are consistently having to deal with this. We agree one hundred percent there needs to be more support for people with these complex social needs. Uh, because it, it is a public safety issue, but it's not an either-or either, uh, either or, uh, proposition.
0: Okay, so Sorry for the sound effects going on there. Um, Steve, thank you for coming on today. I'm very grateful to you for that. Anytime, Mike. My pleasure. Let's talk about all the challenges facing this economy right now. The perfect storm continues to gather here. The recovery from COVID has been slow and halting, We have the continuing supply chain problems, the shortage of workers. That's forced some otherwise viable businesses to scale back or even shut down. And of course, we've got inflation with increasing costs right across the board. Now, we're going to talk more about inflation later on the show today, especially how it hits your household food budget inflation has hit the grocery store big time we'll talk about that coming up a little later now why is inflation running rampant right now well one reason is that broken supply chain that we've got right now check out what's going on right here in vancouver the home of one of the busiest ports in north america It is bursting at the seams. The vacancy space, vacancy rate for space in Vancouver warehouses right now has fallen below 1%. That's according to data from real estate advisory Altus Group Limited. And let's talk about that now with my guest, Raymond Wong. He's the vice president there at Altus Group. And I'm pleased to welcome him. Raymond, thanks a lot for coming on today.
5: Hi, Mike. Thanks for the invite.
0: Yeah, you bet. Thanks. Thanks a lot for doing it. So let's talk a little bit about the situation that you're seeing out there right now. So when it comes to warehouse space in Vancouver, how does that how does that work, and and how does it play a role in in rising prices?
5: Well, the thing is, with with, with Vancouver, you've always had a very uh, a very popular popular destination for immigration and growth, and um, the population has been steadily growing. And with warehouses or real estate, you have the challenges with the ocean and the mountains. And there's only so much that you can build within that geographical area. So to be in with industrial itself is, is tight. And with the growing population and the need to be able to service um, goods and products for, for the consumers has always been a challenge um, for for, um, for, for for companies to be able to set up warehouses based on the scarcity of, of supply. And even more so, exactly what you just said with regards to higher prices, uh, labor constraints, especially with um, on the trucking and delivery side of it, on top of that with some of the shortages that we've seen on the, on the supply chain. And as you said earlier, it's just a perfect storm right now with yeah. increasing costs, and uh, limitation of uh,
0: of labor. right. So when you have those like container ships coming into the port of Vancouver, super busy port, a lot of goods are brought in there and then distributed all across Canada. Like quite often those goods will arrive at the port, and then sometimes the shippers want to store that stuff in a warehouse, right? Is that one of the yeah. the bottle the bottlenecks here in the supply chain? Like, what's going on with the warehouse space in the city right now?
5: Well, some of it stays in the Vancouver. Some of it is, is taken off the ships and, and shipped um, right across Canada, as you mentioned, and to Calgary. Some of that product is actually, especially with, with Calgary, shipped back to Vancouver just because of, of um, the, the, the shortage of space. And you have to look at the rents as well. You. For, for good quality industrial space, you're looking about $20 a, a square foot in, um, in, uh, in Vancouver compared to uh, Calgary. And Calgary's kind of high as well, at around $15 a square foot. But still, there's not enough space to really house all these products that, uh, that's coming off the ships, especially destined for um, the Vancouver marketplace.
0: Right. So when you take a look at that kind of rent that you described there for industrial space in Vancouver, How much has that gone up a lot?
5: Well, yes, um, it's gone up by about 20 to 30 percent over the last three to four years. But that's also the the, the challenge with Vancouver is that uh, industrial users are always competing for land. So there's, 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 there's also demand for the residential side, commercial and other retail uses. So that's driving up the land prices, and because it's driving up the the land prices as well as you've seen the construction costs also go up astronomically over the last um, few months, all that contributes to higher rents. And that's a bit of a concern for for the tenants as well, because they have to try to manage uh, or still make a profit, but also deal with higher um, uh, material costs, higher labor costs, and as well as... uh, higher rent, so it's it's a bit of a juggling act to be able to still service the customers as well as remain profitable.
0: Speaking of Raymond Wong, he's the vice president at Altus Group, talking about rising industrial rents in the city of Vancouver. How are companies dealing with these rising prices?
5: Well, they're trying to be as flexible as possible. So in Vancouver, now you see the the construction of multi-story industrial that you haven't seen before. Right? So now the cost has justified to build these type of structures, to stack up top, to increase the densities in, 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 um, in, in warehouse space, especially around the, the, the urban area. And as well as sort of moving out or looking at um, uh, sort of the secondary tertiary markets uh, for, for, for lower-priced land or just available yeah. land, period. So they're trying to make adjustments. But it's, it's it's still very difficult based on that area surrounding the, the Vancouver marketplace. So they're trying to look at alternatives and, yeah, our, and other sort of markets are looking at it.
0: Right. So you kind of anticipated what I was going to ask there. Like when some of these companies are looking at the availability of places to rent in Vancouver, I know vacancy is low, costs are high and going up. Are some companies, like, ditching Vancouver and looking for, like, industrial s- space somewhere else?
5: Uh, d- ditching is a strong word.
0: Um, they're
5: the moving further out that they still have some sort of Vancouver presence, and they try to, because uh, you still have to try to deliver goods within a certain um, time frame. So you can't move that that far out. So the, they're, they're trying to make adjustments, and I think that the, the second attrition, a uh, uh, place at clone is doing well on the industrial and very scarcity of Mm. available space there as well but it's sort of like before that used to be serviced out of vancouver or or some of those markets but now they're moving out uh, further out for the warehouse to be able to service those other sort of secondary tertiary markets that are growing rapidly especially over the last couple of years
0: so what do you see coming next here? Could this get worse? Like, when we take a look at what's going on in this economy right now, like, it's very troubling with the inflation that we're seeing, interest rates rising, these continuing supply chain problems that we have. What, do you, what is your sort of outlook here for the months ahead? Could this get worse?
5: Yes. I mean, I'm trying to remain cautious, cautiously optimistic here. <laughs> but in the short mid, um, mid-term. I, I don't see, definitely the rents are going to remain high. I still see the shortage of, of land and availability and how prices go up. But hopefully, once the supply, global supply chain uh, normalizes to a certain extent, and again, the, 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 there's a bunch of factors there that we can't really control, I think it, it, we might be seeing less pressure, but based on less than, 1% um, uh, uh, vacancy rate in the marketplace. How do you deal with that? Because yeah. uh, new supply is not keeping up with demand, and demand keeps growing. And so, so that's, that's, that's still pushing up rental and So short to medium, I don't see any changes. Maybe longer term when we figure out um, the global supply chain logistic challenges, then maybe there's a relief. But short to me- medium term, we're going to be in the same boat.
0: Right. So how long could that continue for then? like, I like how you're saying we want to remain cautiously optimistic. I mean, everyone, we should all hope that this is going to get better, but do you think this sort of drags on into next year?
5: At least, I I think. And you're talking to a researcher. We don't typically like to say dates. We'll give you a number, but we won't tell you the actual month and date. But I, I think we're going to continue definitely... Going into um, the remainder of this year and probably early into next year until we, we see what happens. Because right now, the data is changing, the place changing, interest rates are moving, everything has it, it, happened. There's a lot of data to, to go through, but um, I just don't see this thing
0: churning anytime yeah. quickly. Yeah. Okay, Raymond, thanks for coming on to talk about it today.
5: Well, thank you for inviting me.
0: Let's keep talking about inflation right now. The inflation rate last month from Statistics Canada, 6.7%. That was the annual inflation rate recorded in March, the highest in 31 years, 6.7%. Everything going up all across the board. Let's Check out some of the prices have gone up. Gasoline, up nearly 40%. In one year, rent is going up. The price of food, of course, going up. We'll talk in more detail about that on the show today. Groceries are up 8.7%. Even the price of things like durable goods in your home, like the price of furniture, is up nearly 14%. Inflation on the rise could go even higher the bank of canada has hiked up interest rates don't yeah there'll be more interest rate hikes to come for sure let's discuss now with my guest jimmy Jean. jimmy is the vice president and senior economist and strategist at desjardins i'm very pleased to welcome him to the show jimmy thank you for coming on today a pleasure thanks for having me jimmy what is driving this inflation what is causing it Well, that's the thing.
2: It's not one thing. It's uh, several factors that are really behind this. Uh, I mean, all of the uh, drivers that we've heard about uh, since the beginning of the year, I mean, you can check the box on all of these. I mean, you're talking about the impact of Ukraine and the impact this is having in energy prices and and also food prices. So uh, this is a reflection of that. Uh, You also have China, where you have very strict lockdowns. So that's putting even um, more uh, obstacle in the supply chain. And we know that supply chains at the global level have been a a major reason behind the very elevated prices for for goods, for durable goods in particular. It's uh, caused uh, uh, production shutdowns in the auto sector because of the lack of of chips, uh, semiconductors. Uh, and then you have uh, an economy that's overheating. We have uh, unemployment at uh, a low going back at least 46 years in Canada. We have high job vacancies, so wages are heating up. The services side is reopening, but at the same time, we're scrambling for workers. Uh, and you have plenty of cost pressures that right now companies feel uh, more emboldened to pass along than what we've seen in the recent past. So as I said, it's just that perfect storm and yeah, yeah, the burning question is whether it continues.
0: Yeah, it's a really weird time, a strange economy, and the indicators that we're seeing right now, we've got this record high inflation, but as you mentioned, the economy seems to be ticking along here with basically full employment, and when you have a situation like that, like you mentioned, wages, I mean, that drives up you know, when you've got a, a labor market like this and a worker shortage, wages tend to go up, right? Like, could that drive up inflation even higher? Absolutely. And, uh,
2: the, you know, the thing is, we're seeing wage growth at 3.7% in Canada. Well, you consider that inflation at 6.7%. So What that means is that real wage, so when you control for inflation, wages are actually going down. So the purchasing yeah. power of workers is actually being eroded uh, so the the likelihood is that uh, they start to demand even bigger wage hikes, or they start changing jobs to get better pay in order to, just to protect their purchasing power. And that adds even more pressure on the part of employers to increase those wages and fund that by uh, increasing their end prices.
0: Okay, how about interest rates? We saw the Bank of Canada increase the interest rate, likely see more rate hikes coming in the future. Is that what you anticipate? Yes absolutely we 've seen uh, an unusual step
2: uh, of a uh, fifty basis point uh, in terms of a hike uh, at the last meeting. Uh, we think the Bank of Canada will hike rates seventy five basis points at the next meeting, and the reason is that they need to get rates at a level uh, that is no longer accommodative. When you look at interest rates right now they 're still very low they 're still uh, sort of at emergency levels so if they continue to fuel. Inflation, And we know that uh, increasing interest rates and tightening monetary policy, it will take time before it has an impact on the economy. So the sooner and the faster they do it, the more uh, the effect can be can be witnessed. And the more we can hope that inflation does come down. Uh, we think it's going to be a story more for 2023, but they have to act now.
0: Speaking to Jimmy Jean from Desjardins about inflation in Canada. So when we look at rising interest rates, could that cool off the housing market in Canada?
2: Uh, I think it will. It it, it will. Uh, You're coming off, I mean, two extremely torrid years uh, in the housing market. Uh, It's a a housing market that's extremely tight. You look at inventory levels, even though there's been, uh, quite a bit of construction, but it hasn 't kept up with the demand that we 've seen driven by by interest rates, by also uh, you know telework uh, and all those those factors. So now you have immigration that's picking up uh, population growth is, is going to remain strong, and um, you know you have a, a housing market that's been uh, overheating right now uh you know for a first time home buyer somebody in the 25 to 34 years of age bracket it takes 14 years to accumulate the necessary down payment on an average home 20 years ago it would take 6 years so it's it's become uh increasingly uh unaffordable uh and what those interest rate hikes are going to do is make it even more unaffordable so uh, there's there's little to see other than a price correction now we don't see uh, a catastrophe in the housing market but we see prices coming down uh, just to offset some of the increases we've seen after those two really strong years
0: last question for you jimmy what's going on in the stock market right now i mean we saw some we saw some bad days in the market here in the last few days what's what's happening there what are your what's your view on the markets right now
2: well, yeah, I mean, we, we expect, uh, uh, continued weakness on that front. Uh, the, uh, stock market is another area that's benefited tremendously from low interest rates in the last couple of years. Uh, now that this paradigm is shifting, it's, it's spooking investors, uh, to some extent. Uh, I think Canada, though, is doing comparatively uh, good on that front, um, because we have exposure to, uh, to the energy sector and energy prices are, are, are going up. So, uh, that shields us, uh, to some extent from, from what's going on. But it's still an environment that, uh, of course is very agitated with, uh, what's, e- events in, the, in Ukraine and the uncertainty about how, you know, what the end game will be. Uh, there's even the threat of, of, uh, nuclear weapons being used at, at some point. So that's, got uh, investors agitated and nervous, I think. Uh, and also this uh, this concept of uh, hawkish monetary policies and, and the prospects for, for very strong rate hikes in response to inflation. All those factors are pressuring uh, stock markets.
0: Jimmy, thank you for coming on with your analysis today. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the show. Let's talk about your food bill at the grocery store now. Inflation is way up. The price of food is up sharply. Let's discuss it now with my guest, Ali Chernoff. Ali is a registered dietitian and nutrition consultant. She is the founder of nutritionatitsbest.com, and she has co-authored some great books, including Good Food Baby and Good Food Toddler. Hi, Ali.
3: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for coming on. So I know you're a big big champion of nutritious food, which I think is awesome. When you go to the grocery store these days, what are you seeing in terms of prices? Everything's way up, right? Especially for fresh food, right?
3: Absolutely. Our food prices are definitely going up. So I actually have five awesome tips. Okay. So, yeah. So meat is one food group that actually increased the most, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh-huh. I know, right? Get it where the meat is. So what you should do is look for the sales because there are two options that you can do. So you buy a ton of meat and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do with all this? Even though I've got an amazing price. So number one, you can freeze it and it actually lasts for a year in your freezer Or if you want to be super uh, productive and batch the whole thing at once and then portion it out into the freezer again, it actually lasts three to four months. So that's tip number one for meat. Number two, dairy prices have also skyrocketed. Mm. So why not try some non-dairy alternatives in a tetra pack? They last longer and they're way less expensive. And things like baking or pancakes or even putting it into your shakes, you wouldn't even know that you're having non-dairy. And there's so many non-dairy items out there right now.
0: Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> what? So so, so so not. So okay, non-dairy. So non-dairy. Would that include like what is some non-dairy product like like almond milk or something like that or?
3: Almond milk, oat milk. Coconut milk, soy mm. milk.
0: Okay, Lots of uh, things to try. It okay, might be exciting.
3: In- you try something new.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's keep going with your tips. What else have you got?
3: Okay, so normally I used to be like, oh, buy, buy uh, canned legumes because, you know, they're inexpensive, quick and easy, already cooked, dump them, heat them up, done. However, even that has gone up. So what I suggest is that you purchase dried beans or lentils, and really the only extra step that you have to take is soak them overnight. I mean, that's it. That's really the, the only difference of canned versus um, dried. And to be frank, they actually taste better. So if you know that you're going to make something on, what's tomorrow, Thursday, so take out your dried beans tonight, soak them overnight, boom, you know, cook them up. And I know most of my clients, everyone's got an Pot or a Crock-Pot these days. Even better, just cook them in there. You're done.
0: Okay. Do you like to buy those in the, uh, the bulk aisle?
3: I, funny that you say that. Tip number four was going to be my uh, bulk tip. So go. everyone assumes bulk may be less expensive, but it actually depends on what you're buying. So when you're buying bulk, you really only want to buy shelf-stable items, such as pasta and rice. Those are really your best bets. And if you're a baker like I am, definitely want to buy bulk, sugar, and flour. And a little tip about your flour, if you store it in your fridge, it actually lasts longer. Oh. Open Open or not open, yes. Okay, okay. Okay, right. last tip. Yeah. The one, the one that we talked about at the top of this, about uh, your vegetables or fruits. So, yes, I mean, produce has definitely gone up. Not as much as meat, though, thank goodness, but it's up there. Yeah. So, tip number one, do not buy fresh fruits and vegetables if they're not in season. They're going to be, you know, double, triple the price. So... If you want to buy something that's not in season, you should actually buy it frozen because it's less expensive and it's just as nutritious because they pick it right away, they freeze it, and then at least it gets shipped frozen as opposed to, you know, uh, they're picking something, it's getting on a plane, it's ending up in the warehouse, the grocery store truck is picking it up, and then it lands in the grocery store and then you're buying it. It doesn't taste like anything by then. <laughs>
0: Okay. Allie, I love the tips. I think there, you had some great ones there. My guest is Allie Chernoff. She's a registered dietitian. Her website is nutrition at its Let's open the phone lines. If you have any tips for saving money at the grocery store, you got any questions about it? Call me right now. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Calls already coming in. Daryl and Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Go ahead.
2: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I agree uh, a lot with what your guest has to say, only with one item that I don't, is that almond milk is very water-intensive and it's very harmful to the environment. First, Mm -hmm. you do price-matching at stores. You buy uh, lost leaders at stores. You uh, do all sorts of price comparisons. I do agree with her that my wife and I batch cook. Uh, We portion it out. For Easter, I had a $5 chicken. It gave me three meals plus six servings of soup after we made our own soup. And what's happening in food today, I don't know how old your nutritionist is. I'm a baby boomer. This has happened before. I remember 18% interest. This is nothing new. What we went through is not a normal situation. It is now starting to normalize.
0: Okay, Daryl, thank you for the call. Talking about tips to save money on your grocery bill, do you have any? Phone me right now. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Ali Chernoff is my guest. Nutritionatitsbest.com. Let's go back to your calls here. Todd in Coquitlam. Hi, Todd. Thanks for taking
5: my call, uh, Mike. Um, sure. We turned our backyard. We took our pool, above-ground pool out. And made it into a forty by sixty garden, and uh, what you call it? Uh, we had our fruit and vegetables uh, from the from there. Also, I'm a hunter, and once a year we go up uh, country and we get a moose. That covers it. <laughs> the biggest thing, uh, Mike, is uh, we just listed and sold our property, bought a property in Manitoba on 1.6 acres, right on the border of Minnesota and Manitoba. We're gone. Uh, wow, the- wow. The- everything are just too much. John Horgan, I don't understand. He used to be a truck driver. The gas prices here, we're in our late 50s. I, I, I'm done with BC. We love it. But okay,
0: okay, Todd, thank you for that. Well, I know you're not alone. I've talked to other people who are, who are making a similar difficult decision. Ali, what do you think about his ideas? Grow, grow your own food in your backyard.
3: Oh, my God, I'm all for that, absolutely. And, and to be honest, even some simple things like uh, herbs, you can actually grow them inside in a pot. Yeah. So that's that's also good for the environment. And just to add on to Daryl's point on the previous call, yep. I mean he has a good point. We didn't talk about the environment, but in terms of non-dairy alternatives, the best for the environment is oat milk.
0: Oat milk. Okay. What does that taste like?
3: Um, that's a good question. I mean I have it all the time, so I don't really think about it. Mean, does it, it taste like, like does oh. it
0: taste like milk?
3: It doesn't taste like milk, like dairy milk. It's got a yeah. little bit of, you know, some oats in there, mm. but it's 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 less. It doesn't taste like a bowl of oatmeal. Let's put it that way.
0: Okay. Okay. Six oh six oh four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight is the number. Star ninety eight ninety eight on your cell. Jen and Coquitlam. Hi, Jen. Go ahead.
3: Hi, I'm not a hunter, but I think like most other people, I've turned into a cock hunter. And my my family, you know, we were deep deeply embedded in the whole. Costco thing, you know, convenience, like everything in one place. Stop shopping at Costco because when you go there, you buy stuff you don't need. They've got all the housewares and everything. It. Go to your local butcher shop and check out some of the, pa- the pre-packs that they have. Like, you know, they've got like the grill- the summer grill pack, so they've got like the-, the chicken and roast and everything. They'll-, they'll pre-portion it for you depending on what your family needs. Um, it's going to be way higher quality because they're not adding much of water and stuff like Costco would. And um, man, we just switched over to our local butcher shop. We're probably saving a hundred bucks on the same amount of stuff we would normally get at our grocery store. Grocery stores are no longer a place to go for savings. They're a place to pay for convenience.
0: Okay, Jen, thank you for that. Well, another one that I do, speaking of saving on on meat alley, I enjoy, I, I will roast a whole chicken. I will do that much more frequently than I used to. Rather than buying individual chicken pieces, roast the whole chicken. I mean, it's very easy to do. Your thoughts?
3: Absolutely. As I said, I mean, I'm all for batching, especially you can buy them on sale and cook it all at once and then put it in the freezer into your portion sizes so that you don't have to worry about it later.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's go back to the phone phone lines. Brent on the line in Victoria. Hi, Brent. Go ahead. Hey, Mike.
2: Um, yeah, some uh, good helpful tips actually for your listeners. Um, save on Foods has loads your offers and um, you can save a lot of money um, by using the app on there. And they also mm-hmm. have case lot sales on right now. Uh, so, I mean, it does save a lot. I mean, especially with the price of produce rates right through the roof. Uh, the one question I have actually is um, what is a good uh, helpful tip? On, um, say, if you're diabetic and uh, you have to have certain uh, nutritional, um, you know, vitamins and like different kind of uh, food, Um, basically, say you want to cut out meat. Um, I mean, I I like my I like my burgers and uh, stuff, but I mean, the price of meat is so high. Um, so I kind of lean toward chicken more, uh, like breast chicken and stuff, right? But if
0: you want to, like, say, curb away from some of that, like, uh, what would be some of the helpful okay. tips on that? Well, let's find out from Ali. Ali, your thoughts.
3: So, do you want to know what meat alternatives are good to sub out for red meat? Is that what you're looking for?
0: Yeah, I think so.
3: Okay. So, there are so many meat alternatives out there. So, if you want to go whole, natural, you can do things like tofu, as I talked about before, the um, the dried beans. Like, there's so many different beans, like chickpeas, lentils, black beans, navy beans. I mean, you can go nuts. You can make stews with it. You can make soups with it. And tofu, if you've never tried it before, it actually doesn't taste like anything, so it absorbs like a sponge of whatever you're cooking it into, and boom, you've got a very healthy meat alternative.
0: Okay, let's go to Karen on the line in Vancouver. Hi, Karen. Go ahead.
3: Hi, Mike. Um, just in terms of a tip for all your listeners, there's an app you can download for free called Flip, F-L-I-P-P. And it not only has great tips if you're searching for certain products it will tell you which Grocery store has them on sale, but it's not just food items. It downloads all the flyers. It downloads Mm. Home Depot, Canadian Tires. So for all those items, when I'm searching for planning my meals, I go to the app, see what's on sale, and um, again, search for product specific, and it'll tell you where you got them on sale. So It's a terrific app. I've been able to save tons of money.
0: Okay, Karen, thank you for that. Well, shopping around, I think, is always a good idea. Ali, what would you say?
3: I mean, full disclosure, I usually go to five different grocery stores. So, yeah, definitely shopping around. And, and you'd be surprised, like now with the printed flyers, they'll yeah. price match at other stores.
0: Mm, okay. 604 280 9898 is the number to call. Star 9898 on your cell. Helen and Langley. Hi, Helen.
3: Hey, how are you? Um, I just wanted to let you know that I also use a couple of apps. I use the Flip app, like the previous lady said, and what happens is you can actually add match at the Superstore, No Frills, Loblaws stores. But yeah. the two apps that I use, um, I found them on Instagram. One is called Checkout51, the other is called Cattle, and they provide coupons online. And in the last eight weeks, I've accumulated $220 back cashback in checks from these two apps. By using the, the coupons online, you end up paying the regular price, but they will re, uh, refund you um, the difference of the um, coupons that they're offering. Okay. And every Thursday, those change. It's very, very good.
0: Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, Clip Your Coupons has always been kind of a, a time-honored one. Ali, you mentioned that you shop at a lot of different stores as you shop around. Do you find that most stores will honor a competitor's advertised price or does it depend on the store?
3: No, I've never had a problem because if, if, if you're comparing the exact apple to exact apple, they will price match it. Absolutely. Cause they want your right. business.
0: Yeah. Okay. Which Mike. It's
3: less shopping around. So you're kind of one stop shop, but you're have all your flyers with you.
0: Right. Mike and Langley. Hi Mike, go ahead.
3: Hey, people just need to approach their local farmers. The price of beef
1: to raise and sell hasn't really gone up. It's the packing plants that are making a killing. So approach your local farmers and be like, hey, I'll give you a deposit, raise a beef for me. The farmers will be more, most farmers are more than willing to do that because it's the packing plants that are making all the money. So just approach your local farmers, throw the idea out. There's lots of people that will go for that.
0: You mean mean go to a farm and, like, like buy a whole cow? Yeah, or, yeah. What? I mean, you get a couple of families together. Yeah,
1: just approach a local farm and be like, "Hey, I'm interested in buying a beef." And lots of farmers will do that.
0: Oh man, i make
1: more money. It's the packing plants that are making all the money. Raising, uh, I raise cows. I'm not getting any more for my cows than I used to, and the price has gone through the roof in the store. It's because the packing plants are making a killing.
0: Did you? Okay, so you're. Did you say you're a farmer?
1: Yeah, I raise cows, and and I've got friends that I'll just butcher a whole cow for them, and they just pay you per pound for half a cow, a quarter of a cow, a full
0: cow, whatever they want. Oh, man. Okay, okay. well, thank you for that. Allie, what do you think about that? Like, just go to a farm and buy buy in bulk. Just buy a whole cow. What do you think?
3: I'm always up for learning something new every day. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay, I need a bigger freezer, I think, if I'm going to buy a whole cow. Steve in Coquitlam. Hi, Steve. What do you think?
2: Uh, Hi, Mike. uh, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Yeah, a tip for everybody out there. Maybe they don't know this. But, I mean, well, my wife and I, when we go shopping Safeway or Superstore or what have you, and we we look for what's on sale, and when we bring them to the till, number one, my wife always checks the bill very, very thoroughly, which is great. But if there's an item on there that's not on sale, but they advertise it is, you get that item for free. Or if it's over $10, they'll knock $10 off. But you really got to make, my wife is so good when it comes to looking at the bill. Mistakes are being made all the time, and people are too busy to realize that.
0: Okay, good. Okay, thank you for that, Ali. Watch, check your bill. Make sure you're getting the sale price.
3: Yeah, I actually, my mom taught me that tip as a child. So I've gotten so many items for free, it blows my mind.
0: (laughs) Uh Okay, Ali, thanks a lot for coming on with all your tips today. I appreciate it.
3: No problem. Thank you for having me.